I'm going to take up an offering at the end of service. And I do that with our missionaries because I want you to be blessed. I want you to hear and uh, taste and sense the vision our missionaries have for what God has called them. And, um, and then whatever the Lord would put upon you to give, give. Um, if, it's, if it's notated tithes or something, it will go to tithes. But if it's a cash or if it's a check and you mark on it for the missionary, then we'll make sure that that happens, okay? Just so that you know. And um, we are uh, so glad to have our missionaries come through, aren't we? We are, we are blessed. We are thankful for even the tremendous testimony this morning in our snack chat that helped, uh, that made my message go from average to good. And so I really appreciated that. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But brother, come and God bless you. We are so glad that y'all are here and you and your precious wife. It is a joy. We had, went out and had dinner with them last night. And, and um, um, I know that uh, this week I talked with Brother Tier, our missionaries in Serbia and Slovakia, and um, I'll talk to you more about what they're asking <clears throat> uh, at a later date. But, but uh, we're so thankful for all that the Lord is doing for them and uh, the new Bible school they've got going in the very city where Elaine and I helped to do Bible studies while they were gone. So it's kind of a neat thing that we feel like we're part of that. Amen. God bless you, brother. Come. throw a songbook at somebody, so you better get it out of my hands. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I remember as a kid uh, growing up in and out of church, uh, pastor always threatened if you go to sleep, he'd throw the songbook at you, so <laughs> it was scary for me because <laughs> I fell asleep a lot. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. It's so good to be here. Give honor today to Pastor and Sister Erickson. What wonderful people of God. Amen. 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 You may be seated today. Amen. It's a joy to be here in Chelsea this Sunday morning. Believe that God has something special for each one of us. God gives good gifts to his children. Amen. God has things for all of us. Uh, sometimes we, uh, we may not recognize what the Lord is doing. Sometimes we don't understand God's ways, uh, God's, uh, what God really wants to do for each of us. Um, I, um, just a little bit about myself and my wife. Um, I was born in Japan. I was made in Japan, as I told my first grade teacher. And uh, I lived there for the first year and eight days of my life. And, uh, you know... Uh, from my earliest memories, my family actually got into church. My dad had received the Holy Ghost before around 16 years old in Norman, Oklahoma. And uh, about four years old, we were living in Spiral, Oklahoma. And uh, we, uh, we were driving through Poto, Oklahoma, in south, what is it, southeast corner of Oklahoma, and my mom saw a sign that said the United Pentecostal Church of Poto. Brother Tommy Williams was the pastor at that time. And um, my mom said, there's a church, we should go. And my dad said, 
that's the same church that I received the Holy Ghost before I joined the Marine Corps. And uh, same uh, denomination, uh, Pentecostal. So they decided to start attending. So my earliest memories at four and five years old, I would pray for the nation of Japan and ask God to send somebody back to the land of my birth. You know, I knew that there would be a day that I would return back to Japan. I didn't, at that point, you know, as a little kid, you really don't see the plans God has for your life. Uh, you really don't know the future. And, and, and obviously, uh, God had a plan. You know, in, in my earliest years, as I said, I prayed um, God would begin to deal with me. My family was in church till I was about 10 years old. And then because of situations in the church, they left the church and they left the church and our lives started, was out of control and just crazy stuff happened. And then finally we kind of got to rock bottom and the, the Lord began to work on my dad. And finally he said, we're going back to church. So at about 13, 14 years old, we finally show back up at church and, on a Sunday morning and or Sunday night, there's a evangelist preaching, and as he's preaching, he began to declare and say that somebody's going to give their life to the cause of Christ. And he said, somebody here has a, a call on their life that God wants to use you in a special way if you will just surrender everything and give it to the Lord. And as a 14-year-old boy, I came to the front and I just laid out across the altar face down into the into the altar area and as I began to pray I said God if you can use anybody Lord you can use me and I surrendered my life God and I told God if I if I need to die for this cause I will because the gospel must go forth and in that moment God began to speak to me and said son I'm going to send you to the land of your calling and to the people that have never heard my name before. As a 14-year-old boy, I was very shy and very timid. I would never talk to strangers. I mean, if I, I could go down a litany of lists, I mean, people would walk up to me in the halls at school and try to talk to me, and I'd just walk away from them because I was so scared of talking to somebody that I didn't know. And so... Uh, whenever I told my pastor at that time, God is calling me. In fact, uh, at that time in the altar, I forgot to mention this, but the Lord gave me a vision of an ocean of people. As far as I could see, I saw people worshiping God and praising God as far as I could see. I mean, the vast number of people that were there in that vision was innumerable. And yet I could only see shadows. I couldn't see faces. And so, you know, as I began to go through life, 14, 15, at 15, my family went through some very challenging times and we left the church again. And it was such a challenge because as a young man, God was calling me to do something big, but my family, because of the situation in my home, we did not have a vehicle, so I couldn't just get up and go to church. And it, it, there was just a mess going on. And so my life went up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And at 19 years old, my life was really 
out of control. I walked on playing basketball, playing, trying to just trying to live life without God is miserable. And as I'm playing basketball, no matter how much I played, uh, I just gave myself to basketball, and that's what became my God. And um, right after play, playing, starting the season, I started, as I played, I tore my ACL, and because of that, my whole dreams. I went to Division II school hoping that maybe I may be able to get a Division I scholarship after walking on, but whenever I tore my ACL, I couldn't play anymore, and my career and my desire to excel at basketball was over, and I began to drink alcohol, and at the same time, I was suicidal. The enemy had begun to try to destroy my life. You see, anything that God, there, every one of us have a destiny from God and a plan from God for our lives. And no matter how young or how old you are, God has a plan for your life that's bigger than what we can see right now. And so the enemy had brought me down to that place and my mind was messed up. All this stuff was happening. And yet there was a God that loved me and he was always drawing near to me even in my darkest moments, whenever I would stand there and, and, and begin to drink and try to cloud out the rest of the mess that was going on in my life, the enemy had blinded me. And yet God was still working. And as God began to draw close, I remember at 24 years old, I was blessed despite my disobedience. God had blessed me because I had been able to go to school for computer science. I had majored in computer science. I went to technical school. I had a great job working for the company DirecTV. I was making a lot of money, and I had my own computer company, but yet that emptiness was in me. Money can't satisfy. Alcohol can't satisfy. My life was empty. <laughs> And at 24, I drove to the school that I went to in grade school. And as I sat in the parking lot in that night, I had not drank in two days. There was a voice that, that told me, this is the end. You've got to end it tonight. And as I went to put my car in the drive, there was a voice that thundered from the heavens and said, son, if you'll come home, I'll reinstate you to the kingdom and I will deliver you out of your mess. Yes. I'm here to tell you, no matter what you've been through, Jesus can deliver you out of your mess. He can take you out of a suicidal, alcoholic mess and bring you into the kingdom and reinstate you. Everyone here has a story to tell. Each of you have a story. Your story is powerful because it shows that Jesus Christ is the same. He can do whatever. He can bring you out of something. And so I found that in that day, that was a Friday night. Sunday night, I drive to the church still out of my mind, having withdrawal severely. I was drinking two, about two liters a day 
for almost five years. My body was a wreck. My mind was a wreck. But as I drove to the church that night, I was determined that I must touch the hem of his garment. I needed to be healed and delivered. It was in that moment that night as I lifted my hands and I began to worship the King of Kings. Suddenly the power of God hit me and I began to speak with other tongues. God instantly delivered me from that alcoholism and that suicidal mess. My heart, my mind was renewed and restored by the power of Jesus Christ. My life was radically transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And I began to set on a journey to fulfill the calling that God had on my life. And I, within a year, I knew that my life in Oklahoma was done. I had to get out of Oklahoma so that I could get away from the influences that were influencing me away from God. So I went to Bible school and there is where I met my beautiful wife. A great woman of God, a woman that feared God and loved God, wanted to do something in the kingdom. She too had a call of God on her life in missions. And I knew whenever we were talking, I said, Laura, where are you going to be in five years? She said, I'm going to be on the mission field. I said, God, you put us together. I could tell the whole story of how we met, but it's just a supernatural connection. It was not just some casual, I wasn't going for a wife. I was not going to Bible school. That was the furthest thing from my mind. My focus was I had to get to a place where I could be influenced by something that would affect me in a positive way. And thank God I got a wife in the process. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen. And I'm so blessed to have her in my life. And so we began our journey together and in 2001 we were married. We finished Bible school I finished Bible school in 20 or 2002 we moved to the state of North Carolina and there we served for 2 years as assistant or youth pastor and assisted the pastor and God did a work there in that time and after a couple years, we told the, this daughter work pastor, we're going to shift to the mother church to raise our budget. And as we went to the mother church, the second service at the mother church, they raised our budget to send us to Japan for six months, which six months turned into 12 years. <laughs> I think that's 24 times the amount that was scheduled. But God sustained us and kept us on the field. And uh, now this year, this, this May, excuse me, will be 17 years we'll have been in Japan. Amen. In fact, the day me and my wife landed in Japan, this is how God works. But it was exactly 30 years to the day I left Japan as a baby. God had ordered the steps. You know, sometimes we feel like our life is wasted. We feel like we've lost time and, and we're not going to accomplish much, but it doesn't matter about our past. We can't change our past, but God is looking toward our future and he has plans for you that are greater than what you can see in the here and now. Sometimes we get, we get blinded 
by the wind and the waves hitting us in the face. If we'll just keep our eyes on Jesus, he will get us to the other side. There are things that God wants to do in our lives, but we've got to get to the other side. And so as we, we've just continued to just walk faithfully and trusting God that he's going to make a way. I mean, I could share hundreds of stories of what God has done in our life. But I, I do know that God has greater things for all of us. Amen. There may be promises that God has put in your spirit. Maybe God has shown you a vision or a dream or shown you something and that's not come to pass and the enemy has convinced you that that could not happen. But I'm here to declare Jesus said it. It will happen. Amen. There are dreams. There are people that are looking and searching for Jesus. And you and I have a story to tell about what Jesus did for us. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And as you begin to tell your story to somebody, their heart and their life will be open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will begin to say, there is something that I need and you have it. I want to possess what you have because what he's done in your life is not coincidence. Every battle, every struggle that you've ever been through, I'm here to tell you, all the battles that you've been through in your life is not a waste because God is going to use that to reveal his glory to somebody else. It seems like every day we go through storms and battles and challenges, but God takes us through those things because we can relate to people. If I would have never battled suicide, how could I bring deliverance to captives that are bound by suicide? If I was never battled alcoholism, how could I tell the alcoholic that's fallen down on the ground, laying on the ground, say, Jesus can set you free? Because he set me free. God can set you free. Maybe you've been through a battle. Maybe you've went through cancer in your body. And God has healed you of cancer. God, If God can heal you, he can heal somebody else. If he's ever done something in your life, it's our responsibility to tell the world our story. God has set us free from so many things. And the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God is working in the earth in ways that we've never seen him work before. I was, as I said before, I, God takes us through storms and battles to do a great work in our life. If we could turn in our Bibles today, I'm going to go to the Word of the Lord today. I normally show our video, but I want to just get into the Word of God today. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark 4, 35 says, And the same day when even was come, 
He saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, and they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains that had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. 2,000 demons could not keep this man from running to Jesus. We are all here in our right minds most of the time. (laughs) But this man, 2,000 demons, we see the storm. You may be seated. Uh, You see this storm, I believe, was demonically brought about. The Bible speaks of the devil being the principality and power of the air. And the enemy, I believe, brought this storm because there was a divine encounter that needed to take place. The enemy tried to thwart God's plan to deliver this man. Sometimes we face difficulties in our life. We face challenges in our life. We face storms and we think Jesus is asleep on a pillow. Where is Jesus in the midst of of this storm. Where is Jesus in this time? And all the while Jesus is there. Sometimes Jesus will take us into the storm and we he may speak peace be still and we're delivered from the storm. But other times we have to go through the storm. Sometimes we have to weather the storm in order to God to get us to the place we need to be. In my life, as I said, my life in church was in and out, in and out, in and out. There was not a consistency. But it took coming to the end of myself, realizing that I needed a Savior. I needed to get to a place where God could work out some things in my life. God had to take me through that storm And almost killing myself to get to a place where there are worse people off than myself. God had to bring me out of myself. I realized whenever God brought me out of this, that suicide is the greatest 
act of selfishness that you could ever do. The enemy wanted to kill me because he knew that there were people that God wanted me to reach. There were people on the other side of the sea that were crying out, begging for somebody to deliver them, to set them free. And God began to work in my life and God told me I wasn't as important as I thought I was. He began to make me realize that my life was just simply worth to give it away. To help somebody else because somebody else is bound and bruised and needs deliverance. There are people in our community that are suffering, they're hurting, they're looking for something. You and I have what they're looking for. There are people right now that are contemplating suicide. The enemy has convinced them that they're worthless, that they'll never accomplish anything. But I'm here to tell a church that God is going to work in your life and he's going to use you mightily because of your testimony. Your testimony is powerful, but we got to get our eyes off ourselves. I tell the Japanese often, if they're battling with something or struggling with something, find somebody else to minister to. Because whenever you get outside yourself, then you can find the deliverance that you need. As we begin to help somebody else, suddenly you find a purpose, you find a focus, you find joy in helping. It's more blessed to give than to receive. As you give of yourself, suddenly your problems begin to vanish. It's a, it's a miracle what God does. I've watched Japanese people are very self-centered many times. They don't share themselves with other people. They're afraid. Because of rejection. A Gallup poll many years ago said the Japanese people don't know what it means to be accepted by anyone. So they don't put themselves out there. They're afraid that somebody's going to be critical of them. So they don't even try. But as they come into the kingdom of God, suddenly they begin to be transformed by the power of Jesus. And then they begin to touch other people's lives and they tell the story of being an idolater and becoming a Christ follower and how their life was set free by the power of the name Jesus. You and I have a story. God wants to use you in ways that you have never been used before. God's going to bring backsliders to this church. Will we have the heart of the Father or will we have the heart of the big brother? We need to have the heart of the Father that says, come in, we receive you, we love you. You may have made mistakes. We all have made mistakes. We all are flawed. But we have to have the heart of the Father. We're going to bring restoration. We're going to bring healing to these people. I believe there are thousands of people in this region that are hungry, they're thirsty. God is going to restore in this end time people to the kingdom. What would have happened if they would have just thrown me overboard whenever I came back into the church? Where would I be today if the church would have just kicked me out and said, well, you stinking sinner. Why did you leave God? Why did you walk away from God? But God, 
sent people to me that loved me, that believed in me, that could see something in me. They saw the call of God. And you have a call of God upon your life. You have people that you can reach that I will never be able to reach. There are people that you can minister to that Pastor and Sister Erickson can't reach. God has a plan for your life. If we will begin to call upon God and say, God, I know that person that came to this church. They're far from God. They may be addicted to drugs. They may be addicted to alcohol, cigarette, whatever it is. But you can begin to pray, God, bring them back. Let there be divine, let there be divine encounters. I was telling pastor yesterday, I was in prayer one morning about 4 a.m., the Lord had woke me and said, pray that the angel that visited Lot would visit a backslidden preacher's son. As I began to pray, I said, God, send the angel that visited Lot to bring him out of Sodom. Send it to this young man. This was at 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. As I was praying, the Lord sent his angel to this young man. Later that day, the pastor and I went to the door of his son. His son came outside. His face was white. He said, Dad, how did you guys get in my apartment? We said, it wasn't us. That was the angel of the Lord. I'm here to tell you, God knows how to visit people. If you will get in the spirit and begin to pray, God, bring the backslider. Bring the people that had a knowledge of him. They've been in this sanctuary. They felt the presence of God. They felt the glory of the Lord. Lord, bring back to their mind what it was like whenever they could come to the house of God and feel liberty and freedom like we can feel today. Lord, stir our hearts. Let us have a heart for the lost. There are hungry and thirsty people. There are people that have no knowledge of what we have experienced. There are Corneliuses in our world. They're good people. They've had an experience with God, but yet they don't have full knowledge. Cornelius was a man that prayed always. He gave alms. He was a good man. I mean, he was a, a godly man. Yet he did not have the knowledge. And then finally God goes to Cornelius and tell him, told him to call for Peter, the Pentecostal preacher. Unfortunately, Peter had some prejudice. It was scary. I mean, this man was a Pentecostal preacher. He's the one that stood up and said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you, to your children and to those afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He preached that message and then suddenly the Lord tells him, Peter, go to a Gentile's house. And Peter says, not so, Lord. Unclean, unclean. I don't want anything to do with those people. I don't do that. But yet Jesus texts to Peter three times. And as the third time, there's that knock on the door. Cordius' servants. 
come and say, Peter, you got to come to Cornelius' house because you've got the message. You got the message of deliverance. You have the message, this apostolic message. And as Peter steps into the house and he begins to declare Jesus and him crucifies and rose again the third day, suddenly the door opens to the Gentiles. And you and I are able to come into the kingdom because Peter finally got off of his prejudice and went and visited this man. You and I are part of the kingdom because Peter went to Cornelius' house. Thank God Peter went. Thank you, Jesus, for Peter, for him going to reach that Gentile. Amen. Mm. I'm here to tell you, there are people right now that are ready. They're hungry. They're looking for things. September of last year, I was in a dist our district conference. Sister Mia Hedda comes up to me. She says, Brother Clevenger, there's a man here that, that is a Trinitarian pastor. He's a denominal pastor. He's, he's here because... I invited him, and he, and as I, he wants you to pray for him. So as this man, I go up to him, and in Japan or Asian society, you usually don't just lay your hands on somebody's head. So I just put my hand on this man's shoulder. He says, please put your hand on my head. As I laid my hands on this man's head, I began to pray in the name of Jesus. He began to shake and tremble under the power of God. He had an encounter with Jesus in that moment. The next month we had, a, we're getting ready to come back to the States. My, our Japanese pastor in Japan was another denominal group, was part of another denominal group her pastor, minister for 60 years, came to our service. After service, he walks up to me. He says, I've not felt the power of God in a Japanese service ever like I felt here today. 60 years in a denominal group preaching another gospel. But he said, there's something different here. There's power here. There's something. It's not just a religion. We don't just need religion, folks. We need a relationship. We need to have a relationship with Jesus. Religion, it abounds. It's everywhere. Our doctrine has to match our demonstration. we got to have a demonstration of the Spirit and power. Without the power of God, we're nothing. We need to see God manifested in the streets. And as this man, as I begin, we just talk back and forth. God just moved throughout that conversation. I forgot to mention this part. This was kind of cool. The Lord, as I, I'm preaching, I knew everybody there had been baptized in the name of Jesus. Every one of them had been filled with the Holy Ghost in that service that day. I didn't know about him, but... Anyway, as I'm preaching, I look out and I just say, Jesus gave a command in Matthew to his disciples. And then in the book of Acts, they fulfilled that by baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Simple, very simple. Not trying to point out, 
not trying to point somebody out. And I just said it in passing. About two months ago, a month and a half, two months ago, Sister Tashima called me. She said, Pastor, that pastor that came to the church, he said that he read the book of Acts. And as he read the book of Acts, he realized everything you said was truth. He said, I want, and he said, he wants you to come back because I want him to teach, he wants you to teach him a Bible study. 60 years, he's a Cornelius. I've been preaching about Cornelius for years and not seeing signs of that. But God began to work in that situation. I could tell you countless stories of what God has done in 2020. Right before COVID started, the Lord spoke to me to start playing basketball again. Basketball may not be a spiritual event but the Lord told me to do it this was January that year and I'm shooting around on the court in the gym and in comes a young man with his daughter as I look out the Lord speaks to me and says go talk to him but I'm like you know I'm playing basketball I'm sweaty I'm gross I'm not going to go talk to somebody so I walk out of the gym and the guy leaves and um, I get in my car and the Lord begins to speak to me. He said, son, you missed it. You had an opportunity to sow a seed today. And I begin to weep and I say, God, I'm so sorry. Give me another chance. I'll share it. And flash forward, it's June, Sunday morning. I'm preaching much like today, talking about divine encounters. Today is a day of divine encounters. God's going to bring somebody in your path to declare the name of Jesus too. As I'm standing and uh, shooting around the gym, I'm horribly sweaty. I don't know if anybody else sweats, but I sweat bad. I mean, I, I don't know if my deodorant was working that day or not, but I was stinky. And in comes this guy again with his daughter. And the Lord said, well, there he is. I said, God, why, why do you wait until I get all sweaty and nasty? But I go over because I knew I had made that promise to the Lord. I walk over to Nagahori son. I introduce myself. I say, As I introduce myself, and he said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. I'm a minister here in Japan. We're here we're reaching the Japanese people. He asked me, where's the church? I said, it's in our home because of COVID. He said, can I come? The next Sunday, his daughter and him show up at church. And Thursday, we decide to go to Costco to get some groceries. And as we go, Nagahori son brings his wife and son. Starting the next Sunday, they started coming to church. I'm here to tell you, God's wanting to do this here in Chelsea. He's wanting to do it all over the place. I'm here to tell you, everywhere we go, if we will be sensitive to the Lord, there will be divine encounters. You can bring deliverance to captives. I walked inside a grocery store. The Lord spoke to me the word suicide. I didn't know what it meant, but I walked back to the back and I saw a young man with a dark cloud over his head. And the Lord said, he's going to kill himself today if you don't intervene because I anointed you 
to bring deliverance to the captives. It's not because of a preacher. I'm simply, simply speaking. These signs shall follow them that preach. No, them that believe. Your story, the things that God does. I went over to his dad. I said, sir, can I pray for your son? He said, no. I walked away like, man, I missed it. Pastor, I missed it. No. The Lord spoke to me. He said, son, you don't have to lay hands on him. Just speak the word. And I will deliver him. And as I spoke the word in the name of Jesus, I watched as that cloud vanished from that young kid's life. I don't know where that young man is today, but I believe that God had a plan for this young man's life. There's something that God is doing in the earth. And God is wanting to get His body active in the harvest. God is wanting to send you into fields where you have not labored. He's wanting to bring people to you. There are people right now that God's going to send you to. If you will just lift your hands and say, God, send me. Here am I. Use me. That's for the body of Christ. It's for everybody. This is not a call just to one or two. It's for the whole body of Christ. If you'll lift your hands in this house today, maybe you're online watching this message. If you will just lift your hands and say, God, here am I. Use me. I may not have much, God, but here am I. Use me. I speak life into your situation. I speak deliverance in the name of Jesus. I speak the storms of life that have clouded your mind will be removed so that you can see clearly the demoniac that God is going to send you to. You have power in the name of Jesus. God is wanting to use you, brother. God is wanting to use you, sister. God is going to use you, my brother. God's going to use you, brother. Sister, God's going to use you. That shame, that condemnation, those lies of the devil have always tried to stop you from being that witness that God has called you to do. But if you'll get outside yourself and you'll begin to look at the world through the eyes of Jesus, because there are many that are hungry and thirsty, we have the bread of life. We have the hope for the world. As we preach this gospel, as we declare what God has done, salvation will come. Chelsea will have a witness. We may not be many right now, but in this small group, if you will unite together and say, God, we may be few, but we are strong and mighty through Him. The greatest victory, military victory in history was done by 300 men. And they didn't even have a weapon in their hand. They had a pitcher, a light, and a trumpet. They didn't beat the enemy over the head with the trumpet. It was just simply God showed up. God did what he could do. We do what we could do. We share our story. That's the only They may not receive us. They may reject us, but at least they've heard. 
Every time I sow a seed, I don't always find fertile ground. That's not my responsibility. I can't make a miracle happen. I can't heal nobody. I can't deliver nobody. But Jesus can. And if that soul is ready, and I ask God, lead me to hungry people. Let me see through his eyes because there are hungry people. Help me discern the hunger level. Maybe this person's at this level right now. But Lord, let me sow a seed. Because maybe that seed will begin to grow. I sow the seed. Some water. Some, then God brings the increase. We plant the seed. You never know where that seed's going to be. That seed. You're here because somebody planted a seed. Somebody watered. God has brought the increase. A year from now, this sanctuary could be totally full. If we as people would just be on assignment, God, lead me to my assignment today, whether it be at school, at work, in the Walmart, wherever you go to shop, the Piggly Wiggly, whatever it is, wherever God would send you, the gas station. I've had divine encounters everywhere. Even while I'm in America, I'm always sowing seeds because everywhere I have a responsibility. Till 8 billion people hear the name of Jesus, our job is never done. There's never enough hours and days. But if God would lead us to people, it would happen so much quicker. We just got to be sensitive. Whenever we wake up in the morning, God, lead me to somebody today. Let me share something with somebody today. Why not? Give me faith. Give me courage. Give me boldness. It's, it's not about our words. We, we may not even have the right words to say. Many times I feel like a blundering idiot. As I talked about basketball, July of last year, I had my knee replaced and I was put in the hospital for three weeks. Actually, it was scheduled for four weeks as I'm I, I want to get to the get to this quickly, but as I'm in the hospital, I could only speak Japanese. My wife could not meet me while I was in the hospital because of COVID. So I'm speaking Japanese every single day, and on the second day I'm in the hospital after the surgery. Knock on my door. There was a yeah. There was one of my friends from basketball that came to my door said, what are you in here for? And I said, I tore my, or I had a knee replacement. I know in the States you do a knee replacement. You're in one day, out the next day. Japan, they put you through six days of torture, <laughs> contorting your body in ways that you don't know how. And as I'm standing there talking to my friend, the Lord said to me, you're going to share your story with them. So I scheduled the next day we went out I went out to the courtyard where we could sit and just enjoy the outside air. And it was, it was pretty warm, but it was nice to just get outside of a stuffy hospital. So we're out in the courtyard, and I roll out there in my wheelchair, and out rolls a young lady named Coltono. And the Lord speaks to me, says, talk to her. So I introduced myself to her, and 
we begin to talk. And then out comes my friend and we start talking. And I just plant a few little seeds about Jesus. I'm a Christian. I, I follow Jesus. Um, a couple days later, it's Wednesday night and it's Bible study night. And as a pastor, you can't call in sick. But I knew I was in the hospital. So I made, I, I had already had somebody scheduled to minister. So I'm out there in the courtyard on Wednesday night skipping church. And uh, out comes my friend from basketball and I begin to talk about Jesus and how he changed my life, how he delivered me from suicide and alcohol. My friend just looked at me, just shook their heads, said, what a life change. What a life change. And uh, later on, Cotonou came out and as uh, my friend was sitting there they said to Kotono, please share your story with her. She needs to hear the story of what Jesus did for you. And as I began to talk to Kotono, words began to flow out of my mouth in Japanese, things that I did not, I was, there was a constant flow. It was not, uh, in English I can flow, but in Japanese I can speak, but I can't flow like I did that night in a natural way. And Kotono looks at me in perfect English and says, it's a miracle. You got to understand, Japanese people don't speak English. The English for them is McDonald's. <laughs> God bless you is Kamino Shukufuku Garimasioni. That's not uh, anything sounding like English. But as she said it, um, the Lord just began to move. Flash forward, I'm getting ready to leave the hospital the next day, and Kotono comes out, and we're talking. And I began to talk to Kotono about prayer and how God will answer our prayers. And as I'm telling Kotono all about Jesus and how he really does care, she looks at me and says, "Do I have? To, can I be a, not be a Christian and pray?" I said. Absolutely. Jesus will hear your prayers and he will answer your prayers. And so as I be and then I God began to direct me to talk about the cross and how Jesus died for our sins and how he was buried and rose again the third day. And as I began to declare to her the testimony of Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, she began to yell out, Shinjimas. Shinjimas, Shinjimas. She said, I believe, I believe, I believe. This young lady is a special person. It was a divine connection. It was a moment in time. God opened the door. Two weeks after getting out of the hospital, Kotono meets me and Laura. We call her our rehab baby. Our kid, I'm sorry, child. Rehab baby, not quite. She's 18 or 17, I don't know. Anyway, we said our rehab child. She comes to church for the very first time. She lifted our hands and began to worship God. She didn't know anything about Jesus. She just worshiped him. And we said, Kotono, you've got to, Jesus has a plan for your life. She was accepted into a university for physical therapy. She's 
now attending that. Just two weeks ago, she was in church service again. She continually trying to come to church. God has a plan for this young lady. God has a plan. But if I would have never opened my mouth, if I would have just stayed silent, would have just let her ride right past me, what would have happened? How many souls walk right past us and we miss opportunities? I realize there are times we're busy and we have things that we have to do and we can't focus. But Lord, help us to have a sensitivity that whenever we look at that person, we can see red flashing lights, hungry, 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 hungry. I ask God, let me see people through his eyes. Let me know what I should say. I may not have a lot to say, but God knows exactly. One word from the master can totally change the whole thing. In our lives, there are things that God has brought us through. One word from Jesus can set somebody free. We can give a thousand words, but never accomplish anything. We could sow seeds to the wind and, and never reap a harvest, but one seed from Jesus to the right soul could produce a great harvest. And one seed holds countless number of other trees. You take one apple seed, how many more apples can come from that one seed? One seed that you sow, you may think, oh, how insignificant is my seed? How, how, how insignificant is my testimony? It's not much. But there are endless possibilities. There are endless people that you could reach. That one soul, 14 years old, kid that was shy, fearful of his own shadow, how many souls will God use? If I'll say, God, I may not be much, but whatever I have, God, I give it to you because you are the multiplier. God will multiply the gifts and talents. You may feel like you only have one talent. You may only have one measure, but I'm here to tell you God can take one talent and multiply it. If you have five talents, he can make it ten. If you have one and you sow it instead of just burying it, keeping it in the ground and protecting it, let it be sown so that it can grow. There's no telling what God can do. Today is a new day. God is going to bring the harvest. Will you be the one that God will use? Here am I. Use me, Lord. I'm here. I feel something stirring in the atmosphere here today. There are people right now that are grasping a hold of this and will say, God, I may not have much, but God, I bring it to you. Take what I have. Pastor, it was no accident you spoke about the loaves and the fishes. That was nothing. For so many, it's so little. But God can take that. You and I have a purpose bigger than ourselves. If we could stand today. I'm going to sow the seed. Hear my use me, Lord. Let's just lift our hands and begin to worship the Lord right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would open up the heavens. Pour out your spirit, God. 
Lord, use us, God. Search my heart. Search my mind. Lord, if there's anything in me, God, Lord, I pray, God, today, Lord, that you would use what little I have. Stir me up. Lord, send me as I go through the valley of the shadow of death, God. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Get me to the other side, for there's a man right now that you're sending me to reach. Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. The words that Jesus spoke to this man after he was delivered and set free from the chains that had him bound. Jesus, your word is true. about this, that God truly would unlock our understanding, our awareness of those around us, our way to be able to measure and see hunger in people's lives. And then let's ask the Lord to help us not to belittle our testimony or think too small or insufficient or unable to do what needs to be done. And let's apply ourselves see what God will do. You all touch lives around you. We're just asking the Lord to make it even more aware, even more effective 
in our ministry that God's will would be done. Amen. Thank you so much for this good word today. Uh, I'm going to leave this offering pans down here. If, if you would come and bring an offering today, uh, please do. We want uh, the very best. Uh, so thankful for our missionaries. And um, we, we want good things to happen. And it's our privilege to bless in the kingdom of God. And sometimes we have to step out and do something a little differently in order to just uh, take care of the needs. I pray that you will come and give today if you're able. God bless you. And uh, shake hands and be friendly. And to have a wonderful time. Praise the Lord. Let this good family know how much we appreciate that. As folks, that was the word for us. That word was for us. Amen. I appreciate that so much. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Looking forward to seeing you Wednesday night.